0: to another Dolphins podcast for some more Dolphins content. Thank you so much for joining us. It's Jake Mendel. It's Joshua Houts. We have a packed show for you guys today. We have some MIAs in training camp. We have the It Needed to Be Said podcast featuring Bradley Chubb that had a lot of good acorns. But Joshua, we have to start with some uh, very important and, and pretty sad news to uh, kick off the show.
1: Yeah, for those that are part of the Dolphins community on Twitter, everyone knows Tuanan is. Um Unfortunately, he did pass away on Thursday. His name was Eric Carmona. He passed away Thursday morning at the age of 30. He was a Navy veteran and a die-hard Miami Dolphins fan. But most importantly, he was a father. He left behind a wife and four children. And uh, I felt like we had to come on here and at least, you know, send our thoughts and prayers to the family because it is a devastating thing to lose anyone, and especially when you find out he's 30 years old. You know, left behind a family. Um, So our thoughts and prayers go out to his family and we will post the uh, GoFundMe page in our podcast description for anyone who wants to donate money. Any little bit will help. So, um, yeah, rest in peace. Eric, we miss you, man.
0: We all get together and talk about sports to kind of engage and interact with one another and celebrate the same things and and even be upset about the same things. And Eric did such a strong job uniting not only the Dolphins community, but I mean, it stretched farther than that. It stretched across the NFL. And just to see the outpour of love as a result, it's a tragic situation, but... You look at what's happening. You have that GoFundMe account. I think Tyreek Hill donated. I think Andrew Van Ginkle donated. I think Peter Schrager of NFL Network donated. So while it's a sad moment, I, I do want to take a moment to celebrate what he was able to accomplish. I mean, Tuanan is, is such a funny type of uh, personality to bring to Twitter, to bring to the NFL. And there's a lot of love going his way. So like Josh said, we will put his GoFundMe in the description podcast. If you can donate that and support his family, it would be uh, greatly appreciated. Let's take a quick little break here and on the other side we will get into some dolphins captain. Josh, I don't know about you, but when something means mandatory, I have to be there. There's no if ands or buts around there. If I'm not there, getting getting beat, getting the stick just slapped a couple times. However, that isn't the case for Connor Williams. Connor Williams is the only player of the Miami Dolphins who are not at the mandatory minicamp. Josh, we spoke about this a little bit during the um, voluntary workouts that Williams wasn't there and that this might be coming. But now that it's actually here, Connor Williams not being at these mandatory minicamps, uh, what goes through your head?
1: Yeah, my the first thought is, oh, no, right? I mean, we sit here and we have an offensive line that we can all admit, you know, needs some pieces. You saw the way Connor Williams played last season. Um, You thought that was one of those spots, at least a lone bright spot on that offensive line. So to hear he's not there, uh, I think Mike McDaniel, I didn't get to watch the press conference, didn't get to see the transcripts, but I do know that he said there was some dialogue going back and forth between the two sides. Um, But yeah, my first thought is, oh no, what are the Dolphins going to do at center? Because we heard Leah Meichenberg was taking reps. Um, I looked it up. Dan Feeney started 16 games for the Chargers back in 2020. So he has some experience there, but when Connor Williams, you know, played at the top level that he did last season, I mean, it was arguably, was what, a top 10 center, if not even higher last year. Uh, signed a two-year deal worth $14.04 million with the Dolphins. So he was playing on a one-year deal this season. You can understand why he wants the money. But my first thought is, oh, no, please tell me he's going to be there for the regular season and um, be, again, that lone bright spot on that Miami Dolphins offensive line. I shouldn't say lone. Sorry, Teron Armstead and uh, Robert Hunt.
0: <laughs> Very fair point. When you have 53 guys on the roster, Josh, the longer we do this, we're starting to realize it's harder and harder to keep everyone happy. And the biggest question is, is this a stalemate that leaks into the season? I'm not entirely sure it goes that far, but Josh, I do want to remind everyone that the Xavier and Howard issue, I think is what um, every dolphins player. It's not my money. It's not my situation. So I can't speak for them, but I, I look at what happened with Xavier and Howard. Uh, the fact the dolphins got him on a strong deal, you know, then they signed Byron Jones to a contract. And as a result, it, X gets a little upset. He wants more money. So not only did they reno- re- excuse me, not only did they renegotiate for a one-year contract that helped him boost up his money, but they also added in that hey, at the end of this year, we will work on a new contract. We will restructure everything just to make you happy. It's not necessarily something they had to do, but it was a sign of good faith. And Josh, I wonder if something like that does play a role in this, where Chris Greer can come to the table and say, hey, we understand your concerns. We understand that Jason Kel- Kelsey is making. Almost twice as much as you, we understand that you made this adjustment to a new position that I, if I remember correctly, Josh, I don't even, I don't know if it was set in stone when he was signed that he'd be a center. I think a lot of people were penciling him in at left guard. So he's done a lot for this team. I understand where he's coming from, but you do wonder if Chris Greer has that ace up his sleeves where he can go back and say, Hey, we've made our guys happy. You just have to kind of trust the process and we will get that deal done.
1: Yeah, I think that's what it all goes back to, is just trusting that Chris Greer is eventually going to pay his own and, you know, make things right. But, um, you know, a lot of Dolphin fans are upset about this. They're wondering why, you know, he's sitting out when a guy like Christian Wilkins still hasn't got paid. I know there was some speculation that maybe Zach Sealer wouldn't be there mm-hmm. again. You mentioned it. Connor Williams was the only guy that wasn't there at the mandatory mini camps. And um, I see it from both sides, right? I mean, you're a dolphins fan. You're sitting there saying you love what this team's building, but at the same time, you got to look from Connor Williams perspective, just right. played, you know, a great season at center, a transition that he made that, you know, I, I don't think he really was a solid center when he was taking reps there in Dallas. So he made the transition, you know, stepped his game up was one of those lone bright spots on the offensive. I keep saying that there, I, I keep, Insulting Armstead and Robert Hunt, but uh, we know how important that center position is. So I see it from both sides. I do hope the Dolphins can make things right. We mentioned on the last podcast, if we found that money. We'd pay Christian Wilkins. We pay Connor Williams. Hope to see him back in camp sooner than later. But like you said, man, Jason Kelsey's making 14.25 with the Eagles. Frank Ragnow 13 and a half million, Uh with Detroit Ryan Jensen with the Bucks, 13 million. Corey Lindsley, 12 and a half million, And then Ryan Kelly, 12.41. Those are the top five paid centers in football. So um he's making what roughly seven, eight million this season. I mean, he's mm-hmm. probably gonna want to get paid what, eleven million? He probably wants to get a pretty nice paycheck. And when you see what the Dolphins have in before them, you know, Christian Wilkins, like we said, you eventually got to pay Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips Tua to a tongue of Low. I mean, I hope the Dolphins find a way to pay Connor Williams because it does seem like it would kind of be the Dolphins way to, you know, think that they can outsmart this thing and, you know, throw Dan Feeney out there and, and just move along. And uh, I don't think that's in Miami's best interest, especially when you're looking at how promising the season's going.
0: It's wicked funny that you're um, mentioning if we found the money right after we do a show called what if we found $13 million in the sofa. So that kind of goes into my next question for you, Josh, because the Dolphins do have money. And Delvin Cook is one of the names that keeps coming up. There are some waiver wire guys, darts you can throw, whether it's offensive linemen or linebackers, but what's the value on vibes? Is it really worth messing up the vibes with your center, Connor Williams? Is it worth messing up the vibes with someone like Christian Wilkins, who it's, important to say he's been a true professional throughout this. We have Quinnen Williams with the Jets. He just deleted everything Jets off social media. I know that's such a massive deal that everyone is going to report on. Uh, but I think there was also three other defensive tackles in that draft that got nice new contracts this year, including Ed Oliver in the division. And the fact that Christian Wilkins is still showing up is impressive as all hell, because I think we'd understand if that wasn't the case. So man, I, I think that 13 mil, I mean, that, that has to be just to kind of settle the vibes, right? You can't take all that money with you. I know some of it can go into next year uh but i mean you can't look too far ahead when when you have this uh, playoff window this uh potential i'm gonna say it and kind of hurts me super bowl window where you gotta keep these guys in check and i don't think williams asking for a pay raise uh is is unrealistic and i josh do you think he'd be paid a top five guy i I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with like 10 11 million somewhere in there i don't know if necessarily getting a you know a new five-year deal worth 60 million dollars or whatever it may be is is really in the cards here
1: Yeah. I mean, it's anyone's guess. I do think, you know, it'd probably be safe to say what top eight money. I mean, you can look at that. I I think he'll definitely be making more than the 7 million, you know, like we see this year, but you know, who knows, maybe from his perspective, he just wants some reassurance. I mean, he's 26 years old, right? I mean, he, again, made the transition pretty flawlessly to center and looked pretty darn good. So. Maybe, you know, we go back to you talking about Chris Greer, you know, saying we're going to take care of you and this and that. Maybe they said at the end of last season, you know, you go out there and perform well. We'll look at this deal in the all season and renegotiate it. So um, I I would rather not kill the vibes. You mentioned it, though, with Christian Wilkins being an absolute pro. I mean, when you see him coming in there every day, putting his head down, grinding, it does kind of rub you the wrong way that, you know, Connor Williams been here a season ready to get paid. But again, you can see why he wants to get paid when you see some of those guys ahead of him making massive money. So. Hope the Dolphins can figure it out. Hope we know this is a non story. And I bet by the time I'm done editing it, you know, uh, well, no, I'll have it out before tomorrow's uh, mini camp. But I was going to say, hopefully it shows
0: up tomorrow. And this was all a non story. So and we were just blowing it out of proportion. We, we should get on the Dolphins payroll to report things just so the opposite happens right after or something along those lines, because I, I think we're headed in the right direction there. Josh, I'm going to turn the page here and then let's talk a little bit about the It Needed to Be Said podcast. And we're getting a little meta here talking about a podcast on another podcast. But if you order Inception. a double cheeseburger, it's the same thing. It's a hat on a hat. Uh, I want to start before we even get to the Bradley Chubb interview. I thought it was awesome. It was a little interesting, too. They recorded it at the Super Bowl. This isn't a conversation they just recently had. Um, Excuse me, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl. Um, But before we start, Josh, I I tuned into this podcast, and I've mostly listened to clips. But this is one I was very interested in. I think Bradley Chubb has been a little underrated, underappreciated since he came to Miami. I want to start with this, though. Uh, Once you load it up, Tyree Kill has an ad for Underdog Fantasy. And as we see the stuff happening with the Colts, Isaiah Rodgers, as we saw what happened with Calvin Ridley, maybe not Hill specifically, but are you feeling a little concerned or maybe a little queasy just kind of how that uh, the two worlds of sports and gambling are merging and there's such a harsh, strict line, understandably so, but you got players having podcasts that are sponsored by these gambling companies. I mean, it just seems like it's such a tight line to walk where there seems like there might be issues at some point.
1: Yeah, it seems a little bit hypocritical, right? I mean, they're like, okay, the players can't do this, that, or the other thing, but we want to promote you know, DraftKings 24-7, underdog fantasy. I'm glad you brought up underdog fantasy, man, because I don't know if you do that, but it's it's addicting as all hell and really can help you figure out where these guys are getting drafted. But, uh, Jake, to your point, I mean, I think the league's about to crack down again, and there might be another report coming out with some players. I saw Albert Breer, I think, said uh, there were different teams and different players involved. So every time I hear that, I just pray and cross my fingers, you know, it's not – a Dolphins player that made a mistake because, I mean, these guys are young. You know, they're just human. So um, that's my biggest thing. But absolutely, man, I think these two worlds colliding are, uh, I don't want to say bad for the game, but it's definitely causing more harm than good, Um, I guess, except for that all that money they're making, right?
0: And I I don't want to be like old guy waving my fist in the air, but it kind of feels like it just happened too fast where, like, they, they didn't really have a plan in place. Like NIL, I think NIL deals are a great idea. I think pay the players 100%. But it just there's never really that proper process in place where, you know, if you cut corners, they're going to come back to haunt you. So that was just a little nugget I had. It made me a little queasy, but um, I'm going to cross my fingers and believe that Tiger Kill is uh, smart enough and is not one of those guys who are out there gambling, especially when you're in the locker room, as some of the reports say about players. Josh, I'm going to run through a quick couple notes that Bradley Chubb started with at the beginning of this podcast here that, like I said, was recorded at the Pro Bowl. Uh, his brother, his dad went D one. So he started off talking about growing up about the concerns, the the anxiety that was given to him from trying to be one of those D one athletes. And he did finally get, um, uh, those D one offers as a junior. And there was actually a little nugget that Tyreek Hill was actually going to go to NC state, uh, that I thought was a little interesting, but I can't think of the name. There was a wide receiver who was balling out there. And Tyreek was like, there's only one ball. I gotta be elsewhere. I'm not ready for my Jalen waddle just yet. We'll get to that dot, down the road. Uh He said bittersweet was the idea of moving from the Broncos to the Dolphins. And Josh, that kind of makes a lot of sense because I'd I'd like to get your thoughts on what it'd be like as a a 28-year-old. You're thrown into a city for the first four years of your career, and then all of a sudden, boom, you got to go. You got to go play Chicago as a member of the Miami Dolphins, and you get this huge contract. So I can't even imagine what my head would be doing, let alone thinking about different coverages and schemes on the football field.
1: Yeah, I mean, part of you would feel a little bit betrayed, right? I mean, the team that you were drafted to, you just worked your ass off for. He talked about going through different injuries and that. They just shipped you away. And I mean, I think it was what he said. Um, I don't even have it down. It was in my article that I wrote for the Finnsider. But he was saying how, you know, they felt like they didn't need him. And he wants to work hard enough that no team ever feels like they don't need him again. That's so, cool. um, yeah, that was pretty cool. So, I mean, I can't imagine what was going through his head at that point. I mean, he also mentioned how it was a little bit bittersweet, like you said, that he got paid with Miami because all those people that were alongside him in Denver, um, you know, that watched him grind and work towards this new deal really weren't there to celebrate with him. So I can see how it was bittersweet. I think he's very happy with where he's at now. I think he's ecstatic. I mean, like we'll talk about to be next to Jalen Phillips, to be under Vic Fangio again. Um, But yeah, man, that's definitely bittersweet. And I think it'd be bittersweet for any of us right at that age to be shipped away from a place that you love, you know, just started to become, home to a brand new, you know, team, locker room, and organization, not knowing what's in front of you. Because I don't know about you, man, but I got some crazy-ass anxiety that I don't know that I could just step into an NFL locker room or just anywhere, right, a business in the middle of a season and, um, you know, just be me, I guess.
0: Just hit the ground running like that. It's crazy to think about. Uh, they did have an interesting quote about how like you grow up playing football and and Tyreek had a had a line where it was basically, I didn't do this for the money. I wanted to see my mom cheering every time I scored a touchdown, you know, that type of thing. I wanted to give her as many opportunities to cheer as possible. And, and Bradley Chubb kind of said the same thing about the work ethic and the idea of getting the bag doesn't mean you're you're set, right? That's not the finish line. You know, you can still go out there, and produce and, and make that name, make that career for yourself. Uh, Josh, we've we've been Dolphin fans forever, and there have been some massive, massive contracts that have been handed out. And without pointing fingers, there are some out there that we felt maybe they got the bag and then all of a sudden, you know, we kind of take the foot off the pedal. It's not like they don't try, but that same level of intensity, that same level of energy isn't the same. So when you hear Bradley Chubb talking about this, when you hear Tyree kill talking about this, especially when Reed came out and said he was horrified. He was very scared when he was ready to leave Kansas city, because that's where all his guys were. He's been grinding there for years. I mean, there was no red carpet for him. He was a fifth round pick. The ability these guys have had, to come here and develop a voice so quickly and be those front facing leaders of this organization, man. I don't think we can say enough about it specifically for Tyreek, since he's been here a little bit longer, but man, there are so many things he could have said that would have been taken so poorly. There could have been so many things he said that, you know, the two the best accuracy in terms of a quarterback could have been something that he quickly walked back on and, you know, I I misspoke or something. But that level of confidence, that level of acknowledgement to your teammates, I mean, that has just been so fun to watch. And it is just another level of icing on the cake when uh, they sit back and say, you know, the, the bag's nice, but, but man, I, I'm here to be the best player I could be.
1: Yeah, it's a complete breath of fresh air from what we're you know accustomed to. You know, paying a, I, I hate to bring it up because I was really uh fond of him and really wanted him in Miami. But Mike Wallace, I mean, I mean he did have put up some numbers, but that was a man that the Dolphins just paid a boatload of money to that just never did anything. And to see Tyreek Hill become that type of dynamic player you know putting up career highs all over the field being that leader on offense and then like you mentioned with Bradley Chubb I mean I think it was today after practice he stayed after with one of the I was a Garrett Nelson I can't remember the name for sure but it was one of those I believe undrafted you no know, edge rushers stayed after practice to kind of teach him so um, I love that these guys aren't satisfied getting paid and they want to you know make their mark on the Miami Dolphins because Bradley Chubb doesn't have a super bowl. We know Tyree kill does, but he wanted to come here and be that, you know, dynamic difference maker, put up career highs. Like I mentioned and Bradley Chubb, I mean, I think a lot of Dolphin fans were a little disappointed in what he did last year, but these are the same fans who um, also said Jalen Phillips was like a bust after like what, one and a half seasons. So um, I think what he meant to that defensive line and some of those pieces around him, um, you know, we didn't really get to see necessarily or, you know, it doesn't show up in the statistics and things like that, but I'm excited to see what Bradley Chubb does in this season. And I think one of the coolest things was he talked about what it was like being a veteran leader on this defense. And he said, I'm here until 2027 bro. I'm in Miami until 2027. JP doesn't get his bag until, you know, 2025, 2026. We're going to rock, bro. We're going to be in this bitch. It's cool to get that window again. Now I'm the vet. Now I can take everything Vaughn taught me and pour it into JP and pour it into all the youngins. He said it was sick that the roles are reversed. So, um, yeah, man, Bradley Chubb wants to be that leader. We see it now. You know, again, mentioned it with the undrafted free agent that he was out in the field with after practice today. You see how close him and Jalen Phillips are, and if those two guys can get it going, I mean, the defense, man, is going to be scary as hell, especially when you look at that secondary that's, you know, lurking in the background trying to get a turnover.
0: We're going to be in this bitch, a Bradley Chubb mixtape. That line is just absolute fire. And it speaks again to that leadership, the idea of, hey, we have a squad here and we're developing for the future. Josh, there was one quote that actually blew me away because Chubb was speaking to the fact that last year was the first time he was made the playoffs with any team. But he said he didn't feel like it because of the injuries. It didn't feel like it was himself because I think there were, he even mentioned negotiating with the Dolphins. Like, I can give you 10 to 15 pass rush snaps. And I don't think fans realized that the Bradley-Chubb pressures resulted in, you know, there were forced fumbles, there were turnovers, uh, there were bad decisions made by quarterbacks. And I think there is a little bit of weariness um, that we kind of have maybe Cam Wake and Olivier Vernon 2.0. I I don't want to crown Jalen Phillips as as Cam Wake yet. All I want to do is put his name up in the ring of honor. They're totally different things. But I think people might be a little fearful that you know vernon was the king of pressures i think that was kind of when pro football focus was really starting to make a name for itself and vernon was one of those guys who graded a little better than i think he should have and i think if you watch the games you could kind of see the disconnect but just a huge pressure guy and josh where do you feel that difference is where you know bradley chubb is on this different level as a leader as a competitor
1: yeah, man, I think, and a lot of that is, you know, you mentioned Vernon being a pressure maven. I, I do think, you know, what we saw from Bradley Chubb last year, he didn't get those sacks. He didn't make it home. And I think when you look at what he did at Denver, that was the difference there. So I think this season, again, uh, a system that he's very familiar with, I think he even was touting how he was a pro bowler in it his first year under Vic Fangio. Uh, then Von Miller got trained in his third year. I think he said he got hurt in his second season. So he seems ecstatic to be back in this system. And I do think, you know, those, sacks are going to come and when they do i mean that's when dolphin fans are gonna you know truly understand how important he is that defense and why the dolphins gave up that first round pick that you know at the time you know you're watching a draft you're sitting there saying well you're not sitting there saying we can get a bradley chubb here because we had such a late pick right but um i I do like that the trade went down and i do think that he's you know we we should sit here and call jalen phillips the next Cameron wake and why not sit here and say bradley chubbs on that same tier as well i mean these guys um are going to destroy that pocket for the quarterbacks and make them you know make decisions they really don't want to make so um he's on a whole different tier than olivier vernon i know that we all know that right um and i'm excited to see him get to the quarterback get those forced fumbles and get those sacks that we really didn't see him get last season because uh, i think you mentioned it before we got on here jake he was more banged up than i think a lot of dolphin fans realize
0: and that's so important i mean if you're a basketball fan and you're watching the nba finals i think we can agree like Jimmy Butler is not in an injury report, but I think we can agree something's wrong with his ankle. He's not hundred percent, but at the same time, everyone loves to go out there and, you know, mid December, why isn't someone playing the same way that they did in September? Why isn't someone living up to their expectations? Cause football is a very metal metal sport and people are going to get hurt. This is Bradley Trubb's Christmas present. This is what was under his tree. He fell weird against the Packers and broke his hand. They went, he went under the stadium. He got x-rays. He got it clubbed up that game and came back out on the field. About four plays in, he was uh, going to, I think it was a rushing play, and there was a crackback block on him. Bang, high ankle sprain. Chubb suffered a high ankle sprain and a broken hand in the same game and still tried to compete through it. I mean, just things like that trying to wrap your head around it. When you sit there and say, man, why didn't he get more sacks? You know, Why isn't he playing at that all-pro, pro-bowl level? that's kind of why it's important to keep these things in mind that these guys are out there trying to fight through everything and just because they're not in the injury report doesn't necessarily mean you know uh they're limited they're limited in one way or another
1: yeah exactly I mean we know how grueling football season is for the entire year and I guess that's the one thing that has you a little bit I don't want to say wary but you know you are a little worried that with Bradley Chubb's history that you know maybe he I don't want to say the word injury prone, but that's something that definitely could, you know, knock him down a peg and maybe make this defense not as crazy as we really think it can be. Right. I mean, if Bradley Chubb gets hurt, yes, we have Emmanuel Agba who can probably fill in there. You know, there are different pieces. Andrew Van Ginkle's, you know, making, look like a world beater out there in camp but um we want Bradley Chubb to stay healthy and I thought it was I thought it was definitely eye opening that you mentioned him we all know he had the club on his hand but hearing that other injury you know really stood out um I do want to mention what he said I keep bringing up the Vic Fangio thing and in the same interview he said you know how he really never had a chance to be his full self in this defense and the year he did he made the pro bowl he feels confident that him and JP um, can be, you know, all pros in this thing. And the same can be said for Javon Holland, Brandon Jones, and Xavier Howard. The pieces we got, Vic Fangio is going to take us to the moon. I'm excited. And hearing that, Jake, I, I know that it gets you excited as well, because last year, you know, at times that defense held this Miami Dolphins, uh, 2022 Miami Dolphins, back a little bit. And to think what Vic Fangio, again, an under-the-radar type signing. Everyone wants to talk about Jalen Ramsey, what he means to that defense. I think having Vic Fangio on there is going to mean the world, and uh, probably chubbs excited for another go at it because things didn't really go the way he planned uh, the last time they were together
0: the thing that stood out to me again this this was at the pro bowl so the jaylen ramsey deal didn't happen yet but were you were you caught off guard to see brandon jones in there it seems like everybody who makes any type of graphic about the secondary ignores him leaves him off uh coming back from a season-ending injury last year but when you hear like brandon jones being talked about as one of those guys i mean that has to raise expectations at least a little bit even though you know Again, another guy who's working his way back from a pretty harsh injury.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's what I guess is the most unfortunate thing. that We did have to see his season get the last year because heading into last season, I mean, we all had very, very high expectations for Brandon Jones. So it's nice to hear these guys, at least in the locker room, bring up his name because, like you mentioned, every graphic leaves him off, and what Brandon Jones meant to that defense before he got hurt, uh, you know, was – he meant a lot to that defense and to think how important safeties are in Vic Fangio's defense, being able to roam around, do things like that. I'm excited, man. And I do think the moon is the expectations for this Dolphins defense.
0: Vic actually said, that or excuse me chubb actually said that it, uh Vic's taking him to the moon and as his nickname being the astronaut i thought that was pretty on brand but but just i mean brandon jones just one more quick second just the level of physicality he brings the ability to blitz as a safety was unmatched javon holland's been awesome but man there is just a different tone that is set with someone like brandon jones on the field i'm very looking very much looking forward to see him coming back josh one of the greatest parts of, of listening to these interviews is the idea of unity. It's just everyone sticking together, uh, being with their guys, and working to get better. Tyree Kill came out and, and basically said that's the difference between a, a good team and a great team. Last year, we were able to stick together and make plays. Every year, it's about building, and we're building in the right direction. And you see that growth. You see how these guys are working together and taking major steps forward. Josh, I do need to ask you though, Tyree Kill. Did mention he made a plea for the Dolphins to re-sign Trent Sherfield.
1: I yeah, I I don't know that that still kind of stings a little bit, right? Losing Trent Sherfield, but when you look at the different pieces, I mean. Um, At the time, we all wanted Trent Shurfield back. We know what he meant to that in that blocking game. We all remember the highest point of the season was that slant that he took to the house against the 49ers, right? I mean, we thought we were unstoppable at that point. Then our entire world went crumbling down. But when you look at the other pieces, Braxton Barrios Chosen Anderson, everyone's so hyped about him. Robbie Chosen, Robbie chosen. Yeah, Robbie I think. Chosen. Um, yeah. Um, I, hey, I think do you it's know okay how many
0: Trench- uh, targets had last year off the top of your head? Can you guess? Ish?
1: No, I was going to say like 30-something.
0: <laughs> Dude, he had 50. Him and Gasicki combined for 103 targets. Can you believe this offense with the firepower ahead? ahead those two guys uh, having such a, a large usage rate?
1: No, uh, yeah, that's surprising. I, I didn't have it in front of me, so I was definitely low on that. And I, I hope he doesn't have success, though, in Buffalo, right? I, I do think it's kind of funny that's- that he was sitting there, you know, propping up. I thought you were going to bring up the whole uh the boom motherfucker because i thought that was funny did you I, he said how i believe in camp you know mcdaniel will call a play and it'll you know when it works out he just puts his fists in the air and he's like looking right at the defense like boom mother f-. so uh, i think that was in regards to him them saying how they had what the best head coach in all of football right wasn't that what they were saying
0: i think that's something that is very underappreciated i don't think it's fair to compare uh, i see people comparing like mcdaniel to to eric spolstra i i don't think we can get there yet but man the personality the the level of attention he brings to the game and it kind of it felt like tyree kill and bradley chubb were saying like mcdaniel pushes you to work as hard almost as he is obviously the athletes are working a lot harder on the field but just the fact that you know they made it seem like he's always looking at tape he's always looking at how to do things slightly different to make things better And, and josh i think he compared him to um Oh man, I didn't even see the see the movie. Got to help me out here.
1: Was that Little Giants, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't
0: know. I don't know I, how I've never seen that movie.
1: You you got to watch it. That was probably like my favorite sports movie. I don't know who that is though. I don't know who the kid is, but we'll we'll have a Photoshop up for sure. I I will do that Photoshop. I know I've uh. The lied an, what's in, the name
0: of the play? It was the kid who made a, uh, the annex of Puerto Rico. I think. Yeah, that I think. Was I the that's, name I the think play? Yep. I think that's it. Yep. That that's who they touted as Mike McDaniel, and and I don't even need to see the movie to know how awesome that is. That's like the just such an odd brand and. And Josh, we mentioned the possibilities, the sky's the limit. Where can something go sideways with a group like this? Is it just strictly injuries? Is there still a, maybe a piece or two missing? Or, or is it because it's so hard to sit here and say the expectations are, you know, Vic Fangio, 40 years of experience, uh, always at the top five defense. I mean, a top five defense is really, really hard to accomplish. So, so where could those uh, leaky, uh, leaky pipes bring open?
1: Yeah, we don't have that guy that, you know, puts that little, what is it, that bond on, and the, the infomercials are always patching things up, like you can do a whole boat quick, seal, this. Quick, seal, yeah, quick seal, quick seal. Yeah, quick, quick seal. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the injuries, I mean, that's pretty much the, the main answer, right, but I think we talked about a little bit on our last podcast, that inside linebacker, you know, that unit there, David Long Jr., but then you go back to that, I mean, when he's healthy, he looks pretty damn good. So I think a lot of it has to do with injuries, maybe depth at inside linebacker, things like that. And then maybe just some of these players not getting the, the scheme and the system down, uh, you know, until you know, midway through the season or whatever it might be. But I think... Regardless of what happens, I think this Dolphins defense, I mean, top five, if, if your expectations, and I think fans might be that way, right? Say this Dolphins defense finishes top 10 or something, you know, eight or nine, they might consider it a, a failure. But I think if that top 10 defense awesome. is paired with last season's top five offense, I mean, you can sit there and, um, you know, then you're on the moon, right? Then the expectations are at all time high. Before we wrap it up, Jake, um, we're talking about edge. We're talking about Bradley Chubb, you know, teaching Jalen Phillips how to be everything they learned from Von Miller. Today we heard Mike McDaniel come out and pretty much gush and say, I've seen him practice at a level, him being Jalen Phillips. I've seen him practice at a level that's far superior than any other level of practice I've seen from him here. Um, I injected mean, into him, my veins. Yeah, inject into my veins. We put him in the rafters uh, like two seasons ago, I think. <laughs> and um, you mentioned him being potential defensive player of the year. His odds on Bovado are plus 7,500. So uh, what were your thoughts running through your head when you heard how um, ecstatic Mike McDaniel was about Jalen Phillips. And to think that that Machamp looking mother effort could be, you know, playing at the, the highest level we've ever seen. And, um, you know, some of those games last year, he looked like he was uh pretty unstoppable.
0: The stretch is even going back to his rookie year. I think he had what uh, four games and like a four and a half sacks and like a three game stretch, something like that near the end of the year this is a guy who can catch fire so quickly and and we're not a gambling podcast. We're definitely not the smartest people in the world, Uh, but man, I have open right now a ticket uh, Jalen Phillips plus 5,000 on Fanduel. The main reason behind it is if Bradley Chubb continues to be, let's just, let's just say what it was. I think it might be a little disrespectful at at a a certain level, but if he continues to be the pressure guy, the guy who wins defensive player of the year, I I think it's almost a lock. If someone can get those high teens and sacks, if he could reach like a, I don't know, 16 sacks. He's instantly in the running for defensive player of the year. And then you instantly have the fact if he has that type of year, the dolphins are competing for a playoff spot. I think that's the mat, the the making of a potential defensive player of the year. Obviously only one player in the entire league can win it, but man, all the stars are lying where I don't know if I can really think of like a, a young defensive player who the trajectory like this was like, man, like he is just coming out of nowhere and becoming that guy. I mean, Rashad Jones was around for a while, but he was like a fifth round pick. So I don't really think that was there. Um, It'd have to be like a a higher draft pick guy. And I don't really know if anyone's coming to mind who who can kind of fit that of like, everything's gone, right? The growth is so apparent and, and that spot up in the rafters is already waiting for him. Yeah,
1: and I think the best part is it seems like he's, you know, just getting hunger every season. Right. And I mean, no pun intended with how big he is. But yeah, man, it, it just feels nice to finally have that pass rusher. And you don't want to say Jason Taylor. I know we talked about on a previous pod. Someone in my mentions said, you know, this was the Zach Thomas, Jason Taylor, oh, no. you know, <laughs> the, the, the spawn kid that, you know, how they were kind of related or whatever. Um, I, it is nice, though, to have that pass rushers. It's on the level of I don't want to say is as good as Bosa brothers yet because I think he still needs to do a little bit more. But, I mean, the Dolphins have an elite pass rusher, and that's where he's at at this point. He has to hit those double-digit sacks. I think, you know, when you look at his odds for defense player of the year, it's definitely an awesome bet to have. And like you mentioned, Bradley Chubb being the pressure guy. We also brought in Jalen Ramsey, like we, everyone loves to talk about. That secondary clamp down the outside is going to have to force the quarterback, you know, to hold on to that football longer than he might like. And here comes Jalen Phillips with his long-ass arms coming around the edge. So um, we had to bring that up. Arms. Yeah, ass arms. I should do that Photoshop, make his hands <laughs> asses. asses. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to see what he can bring, you know, and this year, take his game to the next level. And we know how important the the Vic Fangio is to that unit, right? I mean, I think Mike McDaniel said that he's been – came out today and said how oh, Vic Fangio has been teaching uh, edge rusher since uh, McDaniel was in kindergarten. So what he's brought to that unit has just been, um, you know, Words can't describe it, and I'm excited to see what this defense can do, how they can build on last season, and uh, what's next for Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, and the rest of that unit.
0: One final question for you, and it's kind of a trap question here, um, and we'll never be able to figure out the answer to this. Is it more likely that Jalen Phillips, entering this year, I, I wouldn't want to you know, put it onto him as a, as a sophomore in the league, is it more likely this year that Jalen Phillips would have a shot to win uh, Defensive Player of the Year, with Vic Fangio as defensive coordinator, or if it was still Josh Boyer,
1: more likely. Or yeah, where,
0: where, where do you think where do you think do you think his odds would be better to be win defensive player of the year if Josh Boyer was still a defensive coordinator?
1: No, I think you have to think what Vic Fangio's scheme is going to do up there, and you know, just again, get him getting better this season, getting bigger, stronger. The other pieces they added. Um, yeah, I mean, if you if Boyer was still here right now with Ramsey and company, I mean, maybe we'd still be sitting here talking about Jalen Phillips potentially being a defense player of the year. But I do think what he's done throughout his career, Vic Fangio, with defenses, with his scheme, with building up those edge rushers, I think it's going to mean immense. The, it's going to be immense for what this Dolphins defense wants to do. And I think Jalen Phillips, man, the sky's the limit. He's going to be in a rocket ship straight up to the rafters. Maybe we should even start getting his uh, gold jacket fitted, but as big as he keeps getting, I don't know that you could – Early that for right
0: that one. Yeah, <laughs> just just because of his size is gonna keep growing. I don't know, man. My my expertise playing Madden, Josh Boyer run that engage eight every single play. Phillips is gonna get like thirty five sacks. I I think that would have been the Nano moment. blitzes. <laughs> the defense would have been one of the worst in the league. But hey, we we got to the quarterback for lots of sacks. But that is all we have. I highly recommend, it needed to be said, the podcast, Tyreek Hill's podcast, he puts out a new episode. I, th- I think it's weekly. Uh, Bradley Chubb is a very engaging guest. Uh, Hill tried to tease him into saying who were some of the worst left tackles in the league. He, he didn't fall for it, though, but that would have been funny. Uh, but for another Dolphins podcast, thank you so much for joining us, and until next time, fins up. Fins up. The,
2: Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. When we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins.